Welcome everyone. We are live from Astoria, Oregon in the hotel conference room. <laughs> I've got Sam Happensider here with me. These are going to be called the Ahars Fireside Chats. What's because, happening, Ryan? Hello, Sam. Good to see you. We're up here for uh, six weeks at the Advanced Helicopter Rescue School put on by the Coast Guard. And we brought all of our podcasting equipment with us because we can. And uh, we don't have supervision, so we're just recording these episodes, and we hope that you enjoy them. Yeah, folks, just picture this. You know, we're in the dead of winter, right? It's time It's time to pull up the armchair, get yourself a fire going, and, and pick out your favorite beer, you know? I like IPAs and stouts in the middle of the winter. A nice glass of whiskey is real good. Mm. And, you know, here in Astoria, you know, our winter days are filled with sunshine, uh, not really in the form of 40 degree rain and special uh, VFR. Yeah. Always. Low, low line fog, big surf and you know, out here in the graveyard of the Pacific. So we got, uh, uh, quite a few good guests coming up in the next, uh, week or two that we're going to be interviewing. And, uh, we hope you enjoy today with us. We have Jeff Marr and John Bailey. I like saying Mayher, but it's... You, you got my name not, right. I'm super really excited to about it. <laughs> For 10 years, I've been messing it up. Cool. So welcome to our guests and yeah. let's hit them with the intro song of their request, Sweet Home Alabama. Turn it up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sweet What's up guys? <laughs> Sam, how are you? I'm good. Jeff, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Well, I really appreciate you bringing the Basil Haydens. Yeah, the tonight. Basil Haydens this is, is good th- choice. It really makes the whole show. Yeah. You know? Sets well, the mood. I like, uh, I like to know uh, where you're from, what you've been doing, and uh, what beer. Obviously, I know you're drinking Basil Hayden. All right. But. So, uh, originally, I'm from Houston, Texas, just north in the woodlands, actually. Uh, All right. There are woods in Houston? I, yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> there's some trees <laughs> around there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I grew up there. I, I left Texas my junior year of high school, graduated high school in California in Newbury Park. Uh, just north of LA, near Cali Thousand Boy. Oaks. Actually, yeah. that is just over the hill from Point Magoo, yeah. where we got and our- the Thousand you know, Oaks many times. So um, that's my old stomping ground. And then went to Indiana, went to Indiana University for a couple of years, met my wife, and then also joined a fraternity. That was the end of school right uh-huh. there. And then uh-huh. that's how I joined the Coast Guard. And then the rest is history. And here I am talking to you guys out at Ahars. Okay. So, you know, like wow. it. paving went, the way, paving the way. You were uh, Savannah first tour, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Savannah, and then Atlantic City, and now here in Mobile. But uh, I started the whole the whole shebang out at the um, Coast Guard Honor Guard in DC. Ooh, in two thousand, nice dude. Yeah. 2008. He's our squared yeah. away yeah. guy. He's so, yeah. So boots, uh, boots are always polished. Don't who, worry about who's that. Your, uh, who's your best friend over here? Oh, this guy over here. That's <laughs> never a year apart. Yeah. We call this guy JB. <laughs> you got to talk to him like you got a mouthful of molasses. <laughs> yeah, that's my right, baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, John, is, where are you from, bud? Uh, I'm from Georgia originally, born in Dublin. All right. He's kind of moved around, like, mostly part of my life. Go dogs. Uh, yeah, go dogs. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I did move to Alabama when, uh, late year, uh, last junior year in high school. Finished up there, went to Troy University. 
Same kind of story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Joined a fraternity. Met That's your what, wife. Yeah, met my wife. <laughs> no, we were, I met my wife in high school, actually. We're at high school sweethearts. So. Oh, man. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's same not a race, story. JB. <laughs> it's not a race. It's not a race. It's a competition. But Jeff, Jeff and I have quite a bit in common. Uh, yeah, joined a fraternity. It kind of went bad. Three years, uh, Troy needed to exit strategy, joining the Coast Guard, something I always wanted to do. Um, slightly different, didn't do Honor Guard. Uh, went uh, right at two years on the Coast Guard Cutter Dependable. Yeah, so I uh, saw I that. Did, I did see the, the dependable once. <laughs> right, it was a short yeah, trip. Yeah, you don't know a shipboard. On a sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shipboard deployments off a of, off a. Of, That's uh, right, sixty-five. But I like it. We saw the sixty-five land, and that, that was it. You know, that was uh, what kind of hooked me to Coast Guard aviation, and thought that you know, man, what an awesome community I want to be part of. So joined uh, joined that went AET. Uh, the opposite of my uh, bestie here. Counterpart. My counterpart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I went AET and then uh, now uh, went to, started out in Savannah. Uh, interesting story, though. Please like, tell. I was on the Dependable, uh-huh. and uh, there were two Jonathan Baileys on the AET list. Okay? <laughs> oh, no. This I remember fun. this. All right. <laughs> this is Jonathan a good story. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, and me and uh, Deanna, like, we're supposed to get married, like, that December. And some reason, my name came off the list. I guess the guy who was on the AET list you know, God rest his soul. He wanted to go to BM. So he, he took his name so off. That God rest his soul. So Deanna's like frantically emailing me. It's like, wait a minute. Like what's going on? Like you change your mind. Like these are life altering decisions. <laughs> yeah. I think you wouldn't want to talk to me when you haven't said anything. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Well, they took the wrong Jonathan Bailey off the list. Oh shoot. Like in, <laughs> yeah, they, they put me on the BM list. So I was like probably two to three classes behind. So six, almost eight months, like delay. So like before I know it, like, I'm like, what's going on? So, you know, next thing I know, I'm standing in my captain's stateroom, uh, who's now she, I believe she's a one star or two star admiral in uh, Virginia. And she's got the detail or whoever the airman coordinator is at that, at at that time. She's like, what can we do for him? Like, you need to do something. Yeah. And, uh, he was like, uh, let him pick where he wants to do his airman program. Nice. So I could pick anywhere. And what? I chose Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. So I started yeah. out in Savannah, Georgia. That's how I got my airman program there. That's how I started. Yeah, that's yeah. Sweet, so man. did uh, Savannah, Georgia, like total time there, right at six years. So I was there for quite a while and uh, went to Atlantic City uh, where Jeff and I got to spend more time together and then uh, in Mobile for the stand team. And here we are out at Aharse in Astoria, are you, Oregon. Are you sure that Boson on the Dependable didn't want you to lay down knots? <laughs> for oh, yeah, they, eight were, they were super mad. You <laughs> yeah, know, it's so bad. It's like, because I, I was sitting there, like, I was convincing other guys, like, trying to go aviation. So he was, like, super always, like, angry with me trying get to convert this guy his out workforce. Here. <laughs> like, other John Bailey who hates aviation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that other so John Bailey's like, yeah, what did John I do? John Malkovich you know? over here. So yeah. I see you got an Astoria staple you're drinking over there. What a... Yeah, so I'm drinking uh, something from the buoy. I like the cream ale. Cream ale. I'm, yeah. I'm more of yeah. a, uh, we know each other's beers, Jeff and I. Oh, nice. Uh, I Excellent. know what he likes. He knows what I like. But yeah. I, I'm and more I of a, might know a little bit more about each other than, <laughs> than we'd like to. Admit. We might like to. Admit. I mean, yeah. in the pre-interview stuff, we were asking how you guys knew each other. And you said, well, we've never spent a year apart. But when we were apart, we called each other a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, exactly. It sounds like a pretty legit yeah. relationship that yeah. you guys yeah. have. Yeah, we went. Yeah. Th- we've gone through a lot together, and uh, you know, it's it's just it's not just from beer, but to to life 
in, yeah. in itself, you know, yeah, so yeah. a lot of things have happened. So. I'm going to crack my so. first beer. I got a uh, Suicide Squeeze Special Edition IPA from Fort George. Nice. Uh, nice. Great, great nice. brewery out here if you guys, uh, yeah. anybody listening here comes out to Astoria. Um, yeah. JB, great beers out here. What are we, what are we doing out here in Astoria? What, what, what's going on We're here? We're here for the Advanced Helicopter Rescue School. Uh, we're here to teach that and finally to get it off the ground <laughs> yeah. uh, after COVID. And it's been a, it's been a crazy year. Uh, just the past three years, I think, with government shutdowns and budget cuts and now with COVID and just between the cancellations and everything, I think everybody's just excited to be here. Yeah. Excitement is just felt all around, not only in the instructor cadre, but I think the students are coming out. I think the students like know the risk uh, that this associated with the, the COVID. And they they're knowingly coming to this situation because they want to train. Yeah, yeah I think Why that's is a that? big because thing. they know it's a it's a it's the greatest C school that we have in the Coast Guard what we, community. What Easily. do we teach out here? Exactly. Yeah, what, what are you guys teaching out here? So we teach uh, pretty much how to effectively rescue or, or to um, have a rescue and to um, execute a rescue, and prosecute rescue a search and rescue case, or a rescue in heavy surf and sea as well as cliff. Yeah, uh, and something yeah. that's unique this year is we're adding urban SAR. And what's entailed with that is like hoisting down to over 100 foot trees, as well as to hoisting to the side of, of buildings to extract a, a patient from a window or a balcony or a rooftop or something like that. Yeah, so we're, we're adding an element to AHARS that we think that's valuable training that the fleet's already using. Uh, that's just, this is already being conducted in the fleet uh, already. So this is valuable training that we think that's going to be transcended upon just not only in the school, but in the TTP that's being developed by ATC Mobile. Yeah, this is this is something that's just going to be an added bonus. Taking uh, taking a step back from AHARS because um, I want to know more about you guys as what flight. you do. I want to know about more about what you as flight mechanics, right? So other than make us look good, we're yeah we're oh, back God. we're back in Savannah. We make you guys look so good. We're back in Savannah. <laughs> Jeff, do you remember your first rescue? And, and I do what, actually. What was it? Oh, um, let's hear it. So uh, this was after a long. Um, pretty, it was a pretty good duty day. We were in Charleston. We were standing duty at the JZI Charleston air facility out of Savannah. Um, we went out on our morning sortie, um, just to do our normal pattern up and down. We didn't go to Myrtle beach, uh, to get pancakes. Like we'd normally do that day. We just started beating up the pattern up and down the beach line. Then we got diverted for, two different cases before we got diverted for our final case. We did three uh, cases that morning. Um, and if you have been stationed in Savannah, most, I, I think it was 90% of the SAR comes out of Charleston. Yeah. It was really? a pretty, yeah. pretty busy Charleston area. Busy JZI area. is where it's at. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we launched out of there. We, we do our first case. It was up and down the beach line. We didn't find anything. We go our second case and that was up and down one of the rivers up in the uh, tributaries going up past Charleston and land and just up and down that river looking for somebody who wasn't missing. And then finally we get a, f uh, our, our last call for a vessel that was overturned in the bay confirmed. We we're like, Oh, awesome. We got something here. This is real. And it was three people. Mm -hmm. so we're like, okay, cool. Well, we get out there and it's now this is clear blue and 22, like the easiest SAR case you can imagine Seas are calm. It's in the bay. Mm -hmm. So very near calm seas. So these guys say there was a rogue wave that came through and overturned their vessel. And it was a pretty big boat, but sure. Yeah, it flipped over their boat. At any rate, there are uh, two guys standing on the boat, one guy floating next to it with his life preserver on. The other two didn't have life preservers on. They 
didn't wear their life preservers. <laughs> so we, uh, it was, uh, Lyman Dickinson was oh, a rescue yeah. swimmer. Dickie. Free fall, Dickie down to the water. He picks up the first guy who was floating in the water. Cause he's, you know, in yeah. the water. Yep. And then, uh, we pick him up and it was, you know, one after the other after it was as simple as you can imagine a SAR case being one, two, three, that was it for my first SAR case, one, two, three in the back. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, took him back to the air fact and that was it. The rest was history. I mean, the picture perfect. Yeah. You, you can't paint a SAR case, an overturned vessel in near calm seas. Like this. This is this is what I'm right. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> I'm ready. Right here. I'm ready for the big guys. Send me the ops. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am ready for the big leagues. Yeah. You know they had so. eight foot breakers today, and they're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. It was a decent. But day, you know what's you know? crazy is I had <laughs> yeah. two more of those same cases right at the like they weren't the same scenario, but they were all that easy. Yeah. Awesome. I had by the time I left Savannah, I had twelve live hoists out of near calm seas with nothing wrong, clear blue. It was a, yeah. it was but crazy. You know what? It was easy. Yeah. I, mean, I want to fly with you. We make fun of this. Yeah. I want to fly with you. No, you don't. No, no you don't. Cause when I got to Atlantic city, yeah, it was so a different now story. He's, now so he's got three like pretty good. So right after I got to Atlantic the city, we can, we can be real. We can talk about that. Cause that's a long, but I mean, you got, you don't. You might not want to fly with them. <laughs> that was a while ago. The, the tide has turned. All right. It was. I had yeah. a bad batch for a while, but it yeah. was fine. Okay. Yeah, bad okay. record. We can what come about, back to that. What we'll about? Yeah. We'll come, let's come back to that. Yeah, about, that JB. We say so. that this stuff is easy and. Like we make fun of it too because we do some pretty gnarly stuff, especially out yeah. here at Ahars. Yeah. But when we think about it, truly, like we have a really good training program that made those as easy as they were. You're right. And those yeah. guys were having right. bad yeah. days. You're right. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's funny to us. Cause like, Hey man, did you just have too many beers? And that's why you flipped over in calm seas. Like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But like yeah. that was easy for you because one, you're a rock star and we know it, but two, like we trained the hell out of those things. Yeah. And so you're ready for that, which is awesome too. You know, yeah. But I'm glad you had the easy ones, and now you get to. I want to hear the hard ones, <laughs> yeah. man. I want to yeah. hear the hard ones. You got to talk to. I think hopefully JB has some difficult ones. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had some that were challenging at night, but I I still don't I don't have anything with pitching seas or yeah nothing anything crazy like that. Like no hurricane ops for me. I've just been uh, nothing wrong with that. What, no man. What about you? Remember your first? You're gonna one, live JB? to an old age. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I mean, you always you always Looking think like game. you get qualified, right? You get the keys handed to you, and, and you're just ready. You're ready to go out, and you're ready to prosecute your first case. And you're just, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're just like that new qualified, you're like, I'm ready, put me in, I'm ready to go fight. Stoked. And you're just, you're like, you're wanting it. You're, and it's almost oh, yeah. bad. Like you're wanting somebody to be in trouble so for you, you to go out. and help them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, kind uh, of, it's, a little, it's kind of a weird feeling. It's kind of morbid <laughs> when you think about it. Hey, yeah. put right? me in the fight, coach. That's a hurricane. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So like, Can we get know, a hurricane season or what? Right. <laughs> yeah. So first case, you know, we're you know, young third class. I'm, I'm sitting there. And it's, I'll never forget, it was Chris Tamborello and Clint LeMaster. He is Tambo. Oh, oh, Tambo. Wow. Tambo and That is one of the best crews you can yep. pick. Yeah, that's yep. a good You can handpick something uh, better. I, I, I don't remember who my swimmer was. Oh, yeah, I do. It was Brennan Hood. Hood. Oh, Hood. Brennan Hood. Uh, yep. And uh, so I don't remember if we were at Charleston uh, or, or Savannah, and you have to forgive me for the uh, specifics just because it's one of those cases where, you know, you had to have sism afterwards. 
And uh, we, we, it was clear blue. And I don't remember if we launched it from Savannah or JZI, which is Charleston, our airfac up there. And it was a, it responding to a diver who had the bends. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got on scene. And the, the boat that had uh, the diver uh, had transferred the, the guy from the, 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 the vessel that they were you know, performing all the, the dives off of yeah. onto the 41. And they were, you know, when we got on scene, we saw the, the individual being worked on on the 41. Uh, the boat crew was just working on him. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were like trying to get the clearance uh, f- to hoist at that point in time, you know, because the vitals were kind of minimal. And we were just like, I don't know. Like, uh, but, you know, the thing that kind of just added to this, again, the, the family of the individual was on the boat and the boat oh, was man. off the right, you know, the starboard side of the 41 paralleling watching. going in, inbound and watching us orbiting overhead. So at this point in time, it, it went from a, hey, you know, are we demonstrating that we're doing everything we possibly can to provide care, get them to care? Mm-hmm. Uh, or are we just orbiting? You know, you launched us out here. You, you launched a helicopter to get him to a more, you know, responsive, immediate care. Let give us a chance let to hoist do what we're here to let, do. Let us do what we're here to. It was one of those things where you're just talking back and forth with sector, and you know you're almost saying like, "Listen, this is what we train to do. Like, this is a Coast Guard vessel, and I'm hoisting to it. So let us do it." So it was a lot of that, and eventually we got the clearance to do it. So, so we 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 hoist the individual, we get him back up, um, and we get him inside the cabin. And I I don't remember much. I, I remember all of it a blur. But it was about a you know forty five minute transit to the hospital, but I remember vividly getting the Brennan back in, closing the door, and we start working on this guy, and we were trading off like CPR, and I'm doing you know the breathe bag. This is your first case. This right? is my very first case, yeah. and I'm sitting there like performing CPR on this individual that's not showing any signs of life, like no vitals. And I remember vividly, you know, we always train like, hey, rescue check part three. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm waiting to part the water. And I remember Tambo looking back at me and saying, you know what? Don't worry about it. They're busy. Let's go. So he looked back and like realized like, hey, they're not, they don't have time for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're deviating from the standard because we have to, we're trying to, to address patient care at this point. Operational time. needs. So we're, we're like alternating and I'm sweating. Like I'm drenching sweat. I'm it's a lot sweat of work from my, from my nose. I don't remember anything. There was a complete blur. Only thing I, I remember is I'm sitting here like a young third class. I'm not sitting there doing chest compressions on this guy and like going to town. Yeah. And only thing I remember vividly, you know, is just how bruised and his chest looked just because of all the chest compressions. Um, and I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm not sh- questioning myself. Like, am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, and just another side plug. Another reason why I think flight mechanics need to get some type of CBR certification like that, we there's times where we're gonna have to step in to help the rescue swimmers. Like, because Brendan at that point in time, he's like, "I need you to do this." Mm-hmm. Like, I, this is what you need to do. He showed me. He's like, "I need you to do this." But that's a testament to your rescue swimmer and being exactly. knowledgeable to be able to teach you teach to do me, that yeah, stuff and tell me to do what I need to do. Yeah, it. Brendan was awesome, and and so we're sitting there trading off, and he, do, you know, he's like, "I got it." Like, tag you in. Like, he he started doing it. He's like, "Do this." So I'm doing that, and before you know it, I'm, I just feel us land. On the, on the helo pad at the hospital. And I'm sitting there going until Brandon tells me, you know, until Brandon tells me to stop, I'm like, is he, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, I've never been trained EMT. It's like, okay, I'm sitting there like doing chest compressions, you know, and nobody's coming out. Nobody's coming out to the hospital pad to get this guy. 
we're sitting there like like you know spinning on this hospital pad and we're low on fuel at this point like we're we're running out of gas and nobody's coming out so we're like brendan's like like stop we got to take this guy in i mean half majority of the times the people that you hoist in the litter or every bit of like 250, 300 pounds. Oh yeah. This guy was, can a, confirm. This guy can was, confirm. A, this guy was a big guy. So I'm sitting there. So we're dragging him out. I'm carrying me and Brandon are carrying this guy probably like 50 to 75 yards into the ER. So nobody came out with a stretcher, nothing. Man. So we're carrying this guy all the way to the ER. We walk into the ER and I'll never forget. Brandon goes, we need help. Like somebody, and so they finally come, and they're like, put them here, and we put them, and I just remember backing away and just like kind of just trying to decompress, like what just happened, and they just go to town on this guy, and Brandon's giving his vitals, and Brandon's like, just go outside, tell the pies to just like give me give me five minutes, and I'll be right out. Yeah. So I'm walking out, and I walk out, and I, the doors open, and all of a sudden I just see the helicopter fly off. They're out of gas, man. They're out of gas. So they're running Without out of gas. minimum crew. <laughs> so they're minimal, you they're minimal, they they're minimal fuel at this point, but they were also told to clear the pad because they had a, um, oh my goodness, another, I can't. Another call. But it was a, the, the they, they say class or level. Yeah. Like, like, hey, we got this level or something of, yeah. of wow. medevac coming in. Yeah. We need you to clear the pad because it's like an emergent case or something. So they clear the pad. So we're coming, I'm coming out and I'm seeing my helicopter fly away. And like, after all, everything that just happened, I see my now helicopter your ride's fly away. Gone. Now my ride's gone. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like a third class young. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Like, well, I guess I'm I, here. All I night. thought you guys yeah. couldn't do that. <laughs> you know, like the, the, what is dif- the difference between you know? both of your first you know? cases is How incredible. Wild. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Cause yeah. I've heard, I've heard I feel totally underwhelmed right now yeah <laughs> yeah like no and, way and, Thanks, and it's JB. one of the, uh, all, but it's man. one of those things you should have asked him but first. i think it's but i think it's good i think it's good though like i think it's it one is of those good things comparison where, yeah where it's yeah. a good comparison where like be careful what you wish for so yeah. like yeah. i understand I like i i i know a lot of guys pick, like, I, a lot of guys pick numbers right. right they want numbers so i had i had three people that i picked up in my first case jb had one but that was a hell of a case that's that's a monster and I had, yeah. I had one that wasn't even that bad, but it, it demanded some work from me, from the rusty swimmer. And it was in, it was in Savannah with Jake Tartle. And uh, oh, yeah, Jake. this guy, um, the case was, we were flying offshores, pretty far offshore, this beautiful offshore fishing boat, giant, like 40 foot center console, four outboards. This guy uh, took a roll the wrong way fell over, knocked his teeth out on the railing, gave himself Oof. a spinal injury. So it was pretty bad. Uh, the guy was a mess when we got to him, uh, sent Jake down, sent the litter down, and then um, picked picked the litter up, picked Jake up. This guy intruded what JB said a minute ago is everyone that comes up in a litter is 250 or more. This guy was easily 330 pounds. I still have shoulder pain from working this guy in with one arm trying to work the pendant mm-hmm. like but uh this poor guy like we were fishing teeth out of his mouth when we got him in the helicopter we were sucking blood out of his mouth i didn't have to do chest compressions or anything like that but he was in pretty rough shape i was taking um his blood pressure while jake was tending to his you know mouth wound and all that stuff he was in a sea collar it was a mess 
but we took him right to the pad. We didn't yeah. have any issues, but Jake and I had to carry him right into the hospital because yeah. just like your case, yeah, it's I don't, like, maybe, it's, maybe it's a Savannah hospital like, thing. Cause Atlanta, it was probably, it, maybe, too, maybe like, it was the same know, hospital, but yeah. and I they, don't they didn't come like, out to get him. A Coast Guard helicopter landing with a patient. Like, you know, you would think like, just like a medevac that they would think it'd be an urgent thing. Yeah. I mean, some hospitals are maybe there's a disconnect, but some won't go under a rotor arc when it's, maybe they're not getting the message that we're on the way. Which is fine, but at least me. Yeah. At least have a stretcher. Yeah. Yeah. We had yeah. one that um, just hopefully because of their safety protocols. Maybe just we need to call sector right. twice before we. Yeah. Are we going to hospital? the right hospital? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I also like again, you know, to to end that, you know, they eventually, you know, our Tambo and and Masters came back. You know, the the, the medevac wasn't quite in. We came out. And we rad- Brennan radioed. They came back in and landed. And they said, "Get in real quick." We got in and we landed, or and we went and, and landed and got fuel and. I, I don't remember much. It was kind of a blur because, and, and and I don't mean to interrupt you. I just, I just want to note like the schism is important. Oh yeah. Um, just to take a, to pause to say, this is, this is like a lot of crews try to man up and try to say, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. But like, I'm still affected by that to this day. Like just the fact that like, Hey, this, this individual was unresponsive and not just that, it was just the, the dynamic of everything that ha- I had been trained and like, pumped into me I, I had to throw out the window and say i was just totally like in this well, zone but you know it, again it speaks volumes to the system like I, I think it's just important uh for 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 crews to take that time to say you need to take care of yourself before you can help others it's yeah. when you go get back you need to decompress you need to decompress with somebody else that you can talk to or your crew just like what we're doing right now and just sitting here talking about it over a beer yeah like just just talk about it like talk about what yeah. happened because it happened. Yeah. I'm trying to be in denial about yeah, it. Yeah, don't push it, it away. Kind of Sticking what, with you is normal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's Absolutely. not. It's okay. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's it's in your head. It's part of like where I am today, and it's made me better uh, for my profession. And I learned a lot from it. You know, I've I've gone on and had other cases and stuff, but you know, it's that one sticks out because that was my first. Well, yeah. You know, and you asked me what my first is and that that's it, you know, yeah. and like I always tell everybody, including every, every flight mech I ever train, I always tell them, I said, be careful what you wish for. You know, it, it's exciting and you want to get into the fight. Just be ready for it. You don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be what you completely unexpect. It's not going to be anything normal and you're going to have to deviate, but just fall back to your training. Yeah. Just fall back to your training. And it's good training too, which is very helpful. Yeah. Did you get, either of you guys get closure on those cases? Because I know that's something that's tough. We don't always get closure. Yeah. For mine, for mine, the, uh, you know, the, the individual passed away. So uh, there was, there was nothing that could be done. His, his vitals were minimal. At that point in time, <clears throat> when we were given clearance to hoist, just to show the family that we were doing everything that we possibly could as the Coast Guard to get your loved one to, to an yeah. immediate level of care. Well, how long were you guys orbiting before you hoisted? We were orbiting for, for a few minutes, yeah. Probably, I, if I had to guess, if I can remember right, and, and Tambo or Lamasters probably correct me, but I want to say it was like 20 minutes or so. And what was we were, the... Um, that we were orbiting. Symptoms and like the... The bends. The it, was a di- yeah. it was a diver that had the bends, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, it, we all know what that is, right? Yeah. You know, so it, you know, he was an older, older individual, uh, bigger, heavier, heavier set, but... You know, again, and and the Masters was relatively new, but Tambo was the AC, and and Tambo, I mean, if you know him, like just awesome pilot. Phenomenal. Like if there was one pilot 
Um, I mean, I've I have multiple pilots. <laughs> I have great career. stories with it. Yeah, like, JB awesome has guy. a list. Like, I'm yeah, pretty list. sure he keeps a solid so, list. You know, of like, good ones. See if you can uh, <laughs> get the list. <laughs> are no you pressure. on JB's list? Are you on my list? I'm working hard to break out of that list. Seriously, like, for us, you know, and I'm I'm sure you're going to get into this, but for things that we look for, like, if I if I know that you know how to push the limits to the aircraft and know what to do with it and you know where the li- those limits are, then, like, we're going to be good. Like, if you know yeah. how to handle the aircraft, and, um, and and he knew how to do that. He knew how to push the limits to the aircraft. He was a prior, uh, he was a DCA, uh, prior Army, um, flew 60s. No, Patches. no, he flew Patches. Uh, yeah. No, or Look. was it 40 Chinooks? I don't it was know. either Apache. One of the right, best things I've ever in the Army. With. I always get You know why <laughs> I get confused? Cool. Because the people that are on my list, like Barnes Rainey, who th- who flew Apaches. Yeah, Apaches. Um, and also, um, Jeff Jacobs, who's now 60s, uh, prior Army, DCA. Like, all those guys, again, you know, uh, we have really great pro- pilots. Like, you guys are great. Like, Wild Bill just, Strickland. I mean, Wild Bill, yeah. Um, and um, just the fact that, like, he, he had that calmness, collective... He knew, like, hey, he knew the severity of the situation. I mean, yeah, like bullets weren't flying across. You know, we weren't in combat, but we were in a situation. They knew that how was, to handle that aircraft the was, way that needed to be. There handled. are emotional well, bullets being it, flown around there. Yeah, it, that exactly. So, that's what exactly what I was getting to. It wasn't like physical, like him handling aircraft. He just handled the situation well because he leaned on his experience. He leaned on his training, and he knew that this was a non- dynamic situation, not in a combat zone, but this was like. A, a particular situation that that like heated a moment of of morality where we needed to actually provide something yeah. to this person that yeah. may not be responsive. Got to be able to get that plane in so, position to be able to respond at right, the right exactly. time. I mean, you, you took my next question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask. Right out of I was going to ask you guys what makes a good pilot. So I'll I'll, so, re- I'll reform the question to you, Jeff. So. You're going out and you're flying with a new co-pilot, right? Somebody who's in right seat skills or just out of right seat skills. What would you want them to know? Or, or what do you look for in a brand new pilot like that we can use to be a good school bus driver up front, essentially? So to add on to what he said, like... Um, so working with like brand new pilots is a little bit different than working with, you know, experienced DCA guys and stuff like that. But brand new guys, they really have to appreciate um, what they've learned in the past, lean on the, the basics of just flying an aircraft and then um, learn, just listen to the guys ahead of you. They're good. They're going to teach you. Don't, you can't be smug and you can't, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, this smug pilots. Humble. I mean, you're looking you at no, it. <laughs> you can't be the guy who's going to be the best guy. You know, you have to look up to the guys who have done it and seen it and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the guys that I've always noticed and looked at that were always the best pilots have always been the engineering pilots mm-hmm. and they've always understood yeah. the limits, you know, like, yes and no. they, <laughs> well, in my experience doing test flights, doing test flights with engineering pilots versus doing test flights with non-engineering pilots are two very different flights, you know, where it's just like you have an engineering pilot all right, we have to do this maneuver to make sure this component is functioning correctly. And they push it, they work it and you feel it. And you're just along for the ride saying, hell yeah, that thing is working. Yeah. And instead 
you have the other guy who hops in, who's never done that before is not an engineering pilot. And it's just like, what am I supposed to do? I would encourage all those new pilots to get with your engineering pilots to say, and, and jump on all those test flights. You're going to learn all those maneuvers, all that crazy stuff that the helicopter can and can't do. Those test flights are so beneficial and will tell you a lot about the helicopter that you didn't know before, or maybe didn't even think about. Like it's going to, it's hopefully it opens your eyes, you know, like, and ties together a little bit about the system components with the aircraft and, and how it all works together. I think that's crazy beneficial. Well, yeah. To go, to go back to go back to the question, uh, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's leaning toward those who have been in, like, mm-hmm. or have been flying a right. little bit longer. Yeah. But listening to your crew mm-hmm. and and having the confidence in your abilities and lean on your training. Uh, be you know, don't shut down. Be willing to admit your faults and be humble in your profession to to better yourself. You know, start, you know, something that Senior Chief Eric Bednor has always taught us out here at AHARS before he retired was to, to feed, you know, to starve your ego to feed your profession. Yeah. You know, and he talked about his retirement, that the weight of your wings and what that means is when you pin on your wings, not whether it be pilot, flight mechanics or swimmers, that these wings are useless and it's just, you know, chest candy unless you put it to work. You actually, you know... What they what, what do they say? Put the metal to the road or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Uh, put pedal yeah, to the metal. Pedal to the metal. Yeah, metal uh, to the eat my yeah, dust. To the road, <laughs> eat my dust. rubber. <laughs> yeah, so like it, it, mean, it means nothing. It's just chest candy unless <laughs> you're actually Chevy trying Chase to better yourself. Yeah, there. right. There you go. Yeah, so it, it means nothing unless you're trying to better yourself. We owe it to each other. I owe it to you as the pilots up front to make sure that I'm not doing something stupid in the back. Yeah. Amen. You know, to make sure that I'm I'm bettering myself to to try to make sure that I'm able to effectively execute this this SAR case or to to execute this hoist. I owe it to the swimmer that's on the end of the hook that whose life is in my hands, if if essentially and yours, to make sure that I know and and I can lean on my training. And how do I do that? Is I can always improve and I always. And how do we do that? Is to give feedback to each other. Is so one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give to, to answer your question is to listen to that feedback, not only to yeah. your, from your flight mechanic, but from, from each pilot, but to the rest of your swimmer in the back that you, feels the pendulum at the end of the hook. You know, if he tells you, or if I tell you that you're orbiting like sir or ma'am, like you're, you're sitting there stirring the pot. Oh no, I'm not. Well, yes, you are well, I'm looking at like, it. I'm telling yeah. you, you are. The swimmer's you know, got a 30 you know, foot got, swing right now. Yeah. I've got 10 years of experience of tell you that I'm telling you, you are, you know, if I fly with you and I fly with Ryan, like, I, you know, there's a difference there, you know? And if I, if I'm telling you there's a difference, just heed that and say, you know what? I'm just going to listen and I'm just going to try to learn from it and move on and better myself. Yeah. We owe it to each other to, to, to better ourselves in our profession. And you owe it to that unknown. Like your, your first case was wild, man. Yeah. You owe it to the unknown person, yeah. Yeah. you know? Well, what about you guys? Sam, what was your first case? My first case? Yeah. Uh, the first one that I had was similar in a little bit to JB's. We picked up a diver. I was uh, just right seat skills called. I was flying with Bruce Kimmel, who's retired now, uh, down in Point Magoo. Uh, you guys may have flown with Bruce in Atlantic City. I met him. Yeah, so was, I feel like he wasn't. Yeah, yeah he, he was in Savannah, wasn't great, he? Great, great, no. uh, great IP, great teacher. Um, let me sit right seat. 
I hadn't done my night awesome. portion of right seat skills yet. And uh, this was like a sunset hoist. Okay. So we went out, picked up this guy who actually had a stroke. So they thought that he had a dive accident on the way up, but he was in and out of consciousness. Um, and we picked him up, put the, uh, put the litter down, picked him up off the boat. Uh, fairly easy litter hoist. The boat was great. They had a great heading, all that kind of good stuff. Um, took him back to the hospital, dropped him off. But the same thing happened to us too. We got to the hospital and nobody was there nobody to meet us, off. right? So yeah. um, both the mech and the swimmer had to go out and carry that uh, that individual all the way in. Um, luckily, I got some closure, which you don't usually get. So right. uh, this gentleman's uh, daughter was a firefighter at the Berkeley Fire Department. And there was a prior Coast Guard rescue swimmer who was a then uh, fire to fighter uh, over in Berkeley. And so he somehow reached out to our rescue swimmer chief or the shop and uh, told us like, hey, this guy actually made it. Um, awesome. Yeah, That's so they, they're like, hey, you guys That's got really him nice. there. That's fantastic. You got him there 10 minutes before yeah. he would have been uh, a goner. So uh, that was that was a good first case. And, and I, you guys talk a lot about uh, mech. So like the mech on that case was Danny Gomez, who's uh, he's at on the hangar deck over in Mobile. Yeah, yeah. And I was super, I'm super new. I'm still super new, right? And green, <laughs> wet, wet behind the ears kind of thing. And just listening to him putting the aircraft where he wants me to put it and right. uh, being humble throughout the case was really helpful to me. And, and I've always had that, uh, I've had a sticky note since I was an ensign in the Coast Guard that says, you know, be humble. There's, you know, there's always something to learn from everything you do. Yeah, dude. So, well, my story is the first time the SAR alarm went off. For me, not my first SAR case, because this is way funnier. Uh, SAR alarm goes off. I don't even know what it was, like uh, overturned kayak or something. What year like and that, where you were know? you? Uh, 2015 Humboldt Bay. Okay. Uh, right. Brand new All co-pilot, right. just out of T-course. Sprint to the locker room, because I'm like, you know, gung-ho coasty. This is Ready the way it is, right? Sprint to the locker room. Try to put my dry suit on, put it on backwards, fall over. <laughs> I'm laying on my back in the middle of the locker room with my dry suit on backwards. I love it. The aircraft commander walks in. He's like, dude, we just got stood down. Yes. Also, dude. what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> and he's fully dressed out, like ready to go, vest oh, on and everything. And I'm so just laying on my dry back. Suit. Who's the aircraft commander? Derek Shermel. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I so, think it was Derek. I think that's who it dude, was. You, you guys <laughs> in was uh, Atlantic City with Blake McKinney? I was See, not. Uh, he was not there when uh, I was there. I okay. don't know. I, so, got, I, was, I was there from uh, you got there 14, 15. 18. My first, 14, 18. My first Dang, ever 14. SAR case, like I, I didn't put my dry suit on backwards, but I didn't know what we were doing or where we are, where we were until we came into a hover over the case. Like we got into the aircraft, right? He's a third tour pilot. He started the aircraft so fast. Oh man. I had no idea what we were doing. Departed San Francisco. We went up to Napa and we were into a hover before I was like, what the f is going on right now? Like, That's the way it happens, man. Communication. I haven't had this happen to me yet. Uh, and I'm curious if you guys have, or you've talked to friends who have had this happen yet, um, parting the cable. That is a stressful, I mean, parting or shearing a cable, right? That's a very stressful event. Have either of you done, had that happen to you yet in your career? I have not. I have not. Yeah. Luckily I have not. Uh, not I know buddies and friends that have had. 
I know that uh, in Savannah, I'm trying to remember the Mac that had it. Uh, um, it was a perfect. Um, I thought it was Cordis. No, it was uh, Shane White. Oh, was Shane in, White was hooked Shane? a basket on a uh, on a boat. That's a different scenario, but go ahead. Yeah, that's Shane, but he did. Yeah, I thought he. he did. Yeah, we they brought that to basket. Uh, yeah, or, he or hooked the, the that basket. Crew, boat, they shared the back. cable. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but we saw the basket and everything. But oh yeah, the call, basket had call. a huge bend in the rail yeah, that off. it actually hooked the tow bit. He uh, sheared the cable, um, but that was in Savannah. Like it, uh, yeah. it seemed like a pretty benign hoist, like you know your routine training flight. Um, it just by chance it sounded like that basket slipped out of the the boat handler's hands, hit the tow bit. They went to take the load, and it the railing caught, yeah. caught the tow bit and bent and it. it. Talk and about it. a small margin for error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It happens it pretty, like that. One like in a million, that, yeah. pretty pretty great, quickly. But, great call, great. Decision. And then quickly they sheared. But I remember when that came back. Yeah, we saw the plane that you know obviously didn't have half a cable, and then. Um, the basket when we saw later the basket, that day the basket came back because we, we we were all yeah. questioning at the time it's like how bad was it but then it the basket arrived and we were all pretty you know eyes open like holy crap man yeah, it was pretty pretty bent up and it just a re really great decision to to shear at that point in time it could have gotten really bad yeah and uh yeah just really really all around just great uh you know crm in that situation that, yeah that kind absolutely of I, I think the, another one that that came to mind was savannah and I want to say it was either Taylor Anderson or Jeff Cordes, and I don't remember who the swimmer was, but it was a sail, sailboat where the swimmer was going down or recovering, I can't remember. And the swimmer, they had gotten entangled into the mast of the sailboat, and they and they had wrapped around the mast, and they it was almost, it was perfect where the swimmer looked up, and he had a physical grip on the mast, mast. and he knew, and the flight mech knew. Was that brand Sheared. That was John yeah. Ferreira, I think, was a pilot. On okay, yeah, they that sheared. Sounds right. I've heard Ferreira that story. Was there, they yeah. sheared, and it was just like kind of like whoa, like this could have gotten bad really quick, but just due to the nature of the swimmer and the flight mate just being in tune to the situation, and the pilot hearing what was going on in the back, it just synced so well. Just it was hey, like okay, we flew out, and that yeah. was it. Um, so it was. I've I've been close a couple times. Yeah. Um, not so much myself as in to say, hey, uh, but more so me instructing. Right. Like where I felt the situation was almost there. Yep. But I always like to give the, the student the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like that where, and, error and what margin. I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't want to paint that exactly. in the corner to. And, I, and what I mean by that is I, you need to let them learn in their situations. You need to know as an instructor when to pull the cord so to speak. Yeah. Like, do I say something, do something or act at this point in time? Or do I want to let this be a learning experience for the student or the trainee? Yeah. And that's okay. the same and, thing and, and you said and, for like manual override, bring them up, right. letting them to block it. But we, we don't, I mean, let you them can't do let them do it. Yeah. You, yeah. But that's a pre-briefed so, thing. You know, a lot of that stuff is pre-briefed. But I think every instructor has a different comfort level. Even for you guys and instructors up front, you have your comfort level on what you like and what you don't like. Same for us in the back. It's like there's things that I like and don't like, and, and yeah. when I get that comfort level and I get to that point, it's like uh, I'm pulling the cord. Yeah, you tell you know, them before so I, the flight. Yeah, this is what I'm looking for. This Please don't do this because yeah. if you do this, this is where the flight ends for you. And it's so hard to have those hard and fast rules too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Out here, going through my AHR syllabus next week, 
I am not yep. going to have those hard and fast rules. I've right. seen it's some of this stuff sweet. before. I've done well, a decent number of surf and fur, right. but and it, I don't and have kinda, that rule for it's a, a student. It's kind of interesting you say that because we, you know, uh, Jason Cardi and myself were just talking about this earlier. Is that, you know, there there is a, such a thing as too much talking and too little talking. You kind of yeah. have to have that happy medium because if you're doing too much talking, you're overwhelming the student or the trainee. And you guys probably experienced this with the positive front. Like if you're trying to chime in too much, they're going to be like, oh, okay, like here we go. This guy's just Sam's just was like telling me everything I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Like, I just or I just can't hear you because I'm trying yeah. to listen to the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The situation right? is screwed. Right. Yeah. I love that. It's stimuli management. Right. You know, exactly. I, we yeah. teach this yeah. in like the instructor stuff. Yeah. The human brain can handle handle so much. Seven to nine or yeah. seven plus or minus two. So it's like five to nine stimuli. Right. If you're one of the right. people talking, there's a good chance the student's not even listening to you right. yeah, because exactly. the surf, the static, the flight mag talking, there's so much stimuli. Sir, they're just I not even paying attention. Right, that you're just, listening to me. <laughs> yes. uh, right, it's yeah. just like we're going through. You're it. the only voice I'm going to be listening to this, this entire this is week. the voice. Yeah. You need to <laughs> the know. voice right here. But this is your that, voice, sir. It's just that optimal it. optimal level of performance that we always talked about in yeah. MOI, right? Where they're, especially out of here at Ahars, like you just spoke of, where they're they're here, they're at the top of the mountain. They're peaked, bro. Yeah, <laughs> they're peaked. Like, like I like they open that door, they're peaked. You know, so we we as instructors have to be in tune with that and say no. Like I don't need to like nitpick every single thing. Just say, hey, you know what? If I see that you're about to s- snatch the swimmers out of the water, you're about to shock load the ca- the cable, or you're you're not talking enough. Those are things that I'm probably going to speak up on, but everything else is like, you know what, dude? Like, I'll kind of chime in in between hoist. Yeah. Like, when you're done, hoist, hoist is completely going off high mic. Then we'll debrief those items or we'll debrief them on the ground. Yeah. I'm only going to say something unless you're going to hurt somebody or kind of like affect the crew as a whole or like injure somebody. That, yeah. that, that's what I care about. And that's yeah. that out here, you have to let the trainees get in the fight and let them work through it. I have a, I have another sheer question because i routinely oh brief uh you know we're we're flying out in a 65 right and i'm like we're gonna race for the sh- <laughs> we're gonna yeah we're gonna race, race for the sheer switch yeah. right co-pilot's so, definitely gonna find even that more in the I, can, <laughs> I can count on one hand the number of times that i flipped up the pilot's collective sheer switch and it, it wasn't for like actual sheer consideration it was just like all right can do i know where this is can i flip it up how how quickly can you guys get to that shear switch? Do you guys know where it is? Oh, yeah. In, in, yeah. Like you close your eyes, you know where that thing because is. Top right. Okay. All I have to do is just throw my hand up this way. I'm going to hit right. it. Yeah. And just put doing the exact motion this, this right now. It, right yeah. here. Yeah. 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 We know we know where it is. We train for that. We yeah. say, hey, like show me where the shear switch is. So where yeah. in so, a situation or have you ever, have either of you guys ever put your hand on that switch? No. Uh, I've told you a couple times as an instructor, I have. Yeah. Um, just because, I, and I've actually flipped the guard up. Yep. And I'm like, um, nah. Eh, waiting, and we're waiting, good. waiting. And yeah. they got out. And and so there's been a couple times where I've flipped the guard up and I didn't, and I didn't, you know, actually verbalize. Um, so I, I've not physically done it, but as far as training it, we always tell them, you got to know where it is. Now it always it depends on the situation. Like we talked about this the other day, I think when we were actually getting our reps in on the cliff. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm going, I like to lay down on the cliff. That's just me. I feel like I'm just more in tune to the aircraft. That's yeah. That's let me a let me ex- let me right explain. There. Can You're I gonna be can relying I, can I explain on a, pilot a little bit? Can I expand situation. on that? Please do. Yeah, please. So 
I like to, whether it be door to or doorway, you know, so we're depends talking on, vertical surface yeah, rescue. Yeah. And you may not know this yet and we'll get into that, but you know, it, it's, it's a different dynamic because you may have to lay down and like look underneath. And if you're giving too much positive contact, you can put the cable into the road rail too much where you don't want too much positive contact, but you need to lay down and actually see what's going on. I like to lay down no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I'll, and I'll tell you why it's because it puts me in tune to what you're doing up front. Me laying down and putting my body on the belly of the aircraft on the deck. Feel everything. I feel everything. Mm-hmm. So if I feel you drifting left, I feel you drifting right. I feel you descending or climbing. I feel it. So that's why I do it. So I have my pendant right here underneath my chest laying down. And I'm literally like just on the thumbwell, just easing up. There's a good that's argument a there down to get the, the shear switch on the pendant. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I doubt that we're going to get the funding no, they for that won't. in the uh, 65. <laughs> we'll get a new helicopter <laughs> before that. that, JB. But uh, yeah, um, but yes, exactly. I, I agree with you, though. Um, Wait, does the 60 have the shear switch on the No, pendant? they don't, they but don't. they have okay. an ICS switch on the pendant. So yeah. That's oh, real that's nice. nice. But, but yeah, so like it puts me in tune of what's going on up front and, and how you're flying. And it puts me like just kind of, it, it just makes me. So in, in retrospect, going back to your question, it's going to give me a delayed response getting to the shear switch. So I'm, if I call for it, then obviously you're going to. might be me. It might be you. You're going to beat us. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, we talk on the cliff about, and I, and I refer to the San Francisco uh, mishap and we won't go into detail with that uh, just because of you know the nature of the information but you know again like there may be a delayed response you know depending on if I need to get to right. it or not and I may need you to get to it that's yeah. going to so, be so much different come the echo model once that thing rolls out across the fleet there's a and we start using these a things sure switch on sure switch. Yeah. that's right so it's going to be on the dash I have mixed emotions yeah. I have it's going to be huge that's that. a game changer <laughs> I have mixed now there may that. be mixed Feelings, feelings on it, on that. but I think there's so much of a benefit to have that. And 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 the reason why I have mixed feelings about it is because we have junior junior pilots that sit left seat, and, and you're giving them oh. effectively a button to shear. Yeah. So so hard. If, I, if you hear shear shear shear, is that like wave off wave off wave off? Is it no, mandatory? Is it yeah. mandatory? Yeah. Or are you going to be like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to continue. Or are you going to wave off? So that's been a conversation. I believe it's a talent article yeah. as well. To be 100% where, honest, yeah, as a pilot, so, yeah. I put so much value in, hey, the flight mix going to make that decision for me. Yeah. I right. put yeah. almost maybe too much value in that, but you guys are the ones seeing it. Like, right. Sure, now, I might be PIC. And, and this, You're the guy. It's your right. call. And this can has I, come up before. Where, can I ask? Yeah. Is your argument that in the Echo model, with the co-pilot having a shear switch, if I say shear, 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 are you afraid they're actually going to hit it or not going to hit it? So it's a double, it's a double sword. One side of it where I think the talent, I, I can't remember if it's an article, but there's been a discussion about whether it's a wave off, wave off, wave off. Is it mandatory? Are you going to treat it mandatory? Are you going right, to wave yeah. off or are you going to completely dismiss the fact that I said it? Now I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've or, called for wave offs multiple times and I've had to do it twice right? because I say wave off, wave off, wave off. And I've had pilots say, wait, what are you asking for? And yeah. I said, wave <laughs> off, sure I wave, said wave off, off <laughs> wave off, clearly and slowly. <laughs> what they're like, are we talking about? oh, that's what we're talking about. Okay. So yeah, do you, do you treat it as a mandatory, like, hey, we're doing this? Yeah. 
Or do you say, no, 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 wait, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. But what yeah. if the fly make desert call for it? What if, if the pilot calls for it? What if it's the pilot call for it? Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's interesting too, because so they can vo uh, view the hoist cam in the Echo they too. They can view the hoist yeah. cam and they have so, a sheer button up front. So it's that a good, that's, that's why topic. I bring I, that up. I, I thought that's where you were going to go with it. And I'm glad I asked conference. because I wanted you to lead towards the, having the camera available on the MFD for a co-pilot it's good and the that. argument to even have the MFD up on the camera setting or not. And I, then the ruling or uh, wherewithal or can the co-pilot call for a um a shear a shear you're so right I, yeah i think there's can i they? think i don't Good think question for I, the 60s because right. they've been doing exactly they've been doing yeah, it for they a while been. and they use it the, the but in the 65 experience. community yeah has anybody ever heard of a co-pilot calling for a shear no and initiating uh, maybe that? i don't know but, but yeah. that, how I mean, is that going to look we thankfully haven't had like a single a single engine failure is really the only time i can envision right yeah like as a safety pilot, I've thought about that in my head. Do I call for the shear if we lose the engine at this point? Yeah, or, I would say so. Yes. You know, so yeah, yeah. I've, I've had that conversation in my head, but it's a tough but, one because you get a touchy. But if it's so, but if it's just yeah. like a, a sketchy hoist profile or something that you know, I, I don't think it's a failure. It's a relative like, term. Yeah, I don't but think it's it, a big deal. Uh, like we almost, talked about it in Houston when we went to stand visit and polish for you and that. Absolutely, use it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tool in your toolbox. You did talk really. about it a lot. Like that it, was like always part of the pilot. Company. Bring up the camera. I don't care. Like on your MFD, you got a big freaking TV in front of you. Use it. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. But I, where I it comes into play that. is that you got a button in front of you. Okay, and I say sheer, sheer, sheer. And what's normal to us or sketchy to us is right. different for you guys in the back. Right. So, are we make like is it mandatory? Yeah. And again, I think that's, it, uh, again, I want to say it's a time order, but it may not be, but maybe it does need to be. I'll have to dig that it, up. Is, is this a mandatory thing? Might not like be, if, yeah. If it's sure, 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 it, hey, boom, we're doing it. Well, we're not, there's so, no going back. You know, JB, I'll, you could probably you, write this talent article. I'll roll you yeah. back to, I'll write it. <laughs> to the North Bend case, right? So they, they had a night versus surface case where they pulled a swimmer. They did one hoist. I think they did a second. They got the swimmer off the cliff that both pilots got spatial D and I don't know if it was one of the pilots or the mech, they called for shear. This is when the swimmer got wrapped. I think it got wrapped around the, uh, the landing the gear, there. right? Yeah. They called for a shear and they were at 500 feet above the water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That guy's 500 dead. feet. So like, you saying that like, I think this is, I think this yeah, was a tongue off. Should it be mandatory or not mandatory? Like, there's got to be some sort of sanity check, right? Because that is a clear yeah. case of if so, they had sheared that swimmer, that swimmer would not so, be with so, us anymore. Exactly. So now pause and put that. Now we have a shear button in front of the co-pilot, a very junior co-pilot. Let's right. just say that. And, and they, they hear, hear that. And they hear that. Okay. Boom. Shear. Yeah. So that button, again, I'm not against that button. But that's why that button. And there are very many pros, you, but there are very question, specific. Jeff, is that, that 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 button has to be kind of talked about with your your copilot. I like that. Yeah, talk about. It's going to be a very. Just because you need to train it, you it must change the you culture. Need to think for yeah. a split yeah. second to say, okay, that'll be that wait a minute. knowledge. Something wait for a from the very beginning. Yeah, that you have to instill in your in your yeah. new copilot. Or or or. Or it's the third choice. Or, and, and I know this is this is not this is not adding. So this JB, is a big coast guard. Let me let me get this out. Like it, this is a big coast guard thing. But like this is not adding funding or, or anything. You wouldn't need anything. But do we need it? Do we need it? 
Yeah. Well, it's already there. But but it would be easy to take out. Would it be better? Do we, JB? Do we need it? Yeah. I mean, we're not because we're now, not the JB, engineers, but we but so. we're very new. But we're very new into this. Yeah. And I know we're not the engineers. You're but, right. But operationally, this is engineering aside. Do you think it would be better if we changed that switch from an unguarded co-pilot switch to a guarded? You have to flip it's, it up. It's got the frangible disc in it, just like the like the the, the fire how guarded yeah. is a frangible disc? Yeah, I, I hear you. Like the flip, like a flip up, like ours exactly. on the hoist yeah, control panel. Exactly. I, I don't know what the right answer is, it. and I, and again, I, you dad funding for that, but the the the, the fleet would probably simple. have the but it, we're sidetracking the you know with the question, but again, I think it's one of those things. It's it needs to be talked about yeah. because I, I feel like sometimes we try to address problems that we don't have. It's like, yeah. you know, senior out here, always not just senior, but my chief, uh, Adrian Widner, you know, he, he always talks about, are we fixing a problem that we don't have? Are we, are we trying to provide a solution to a problem that we don't have? Oh yeah. Because I, I don't know if we have it. So why are we trying to provide a, a shear switch right in front of a junior co-pod that you're going out with? And they, they might hear that and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. don't hold it, hold, yeah. hold, hold. So it, it, it could be an interesting thing. And I, I'd be willing, to, again, I'd be willing to sit down with anybody to, to write down that talent article. Yeah. If, if we're going to continue, if we're going to have these shear buttons in front of these these junior co-pilots, this yeah. needs to be a discussion that needs to be had. Either way, that's a final decision. decision. Exactly. Yeah. You push that button and There's no going back. To wrap this all up, so like, do you guys have any parting shots for pilots out there, mechs? New mechs, old mechs, FMIs, You opened or up a broad swimmers. door there, sir. Yeah. Yeah, you I mean, like, do it, any advice there. you've gotten that's worked out for you, but like yeah. anything you got for other people? Um, so here I am going into the school with you, Ryan, and we're going to knock this out of the park. But from what I've gathered and into my experience is if just clear communication. Yeah. Let's listen to each other, be fluid, be able to manipulate the situation as, as much as we can um, and Communication is going to be key. If I say forward and right 20, I want to see forward and right 20. If I say hold, please God, as much as you're possible or capable, hold that helicopter to your your relative position. I know it's not the same as mine, but that's going to be the biggest thing I think that we're going to come to terms with is my interpretation of what I'm telling you and your interpretation of what you're inputting. I think as long as we can figure out our dance between you and I, that's that's going to make or break how we do this whole class. And that's uh, communication. That's it. Communication. That, that goes to any flight mech and pilot out there, Absolutely. right? So yeah. Comms yeah. are key. It's going to be so much more uh, important during this, you know, class. This yeah. These events, the, the things that we're about to do is going to be communication. We, we can't harp on that enough because we already know the inherent risks. We already know what we're about to do. The only thing we could do is communicate better in between it. That We know everything else about it. It's just communicating and then adapting. From there. Yeah. Yeah. That's JB. JB I love it. Any, any parting shots? Part of B to JB. Let's hear it. <laughs> so from the outside looking in, people look at us and say we're crazy. Look at, they look at us and, and say we're crazy because we're hoisting a rescue swimmer down through a 100-foot tree. We're down to a building. 
or down I didn't to the even see a gap in that tree. tree. I'm yeah. sorry. Overturned yeah. uh, <laughs> anything out there. Overturned vessel. And I can't or wait to see those trees. Or us hovering over the water at 50 feet or coming down to 12 feet. Mm-hmm. They, they say we're crazy. But for us, it's normal because we train for it. We train for it because when we get into the position that we're in, we say we're ready. And that's our motto, right? And I'm not, not be cliche or Man, anything. Man, JB prepared for this one. That, that we're always ready is that we're ready for that, that position to say, okay, we're ready to perform in the moment that the nation's requested us to perform. And to go deeper is to say that, to, to echo back to Senior Chiefs Ben Norris's retirement is the weight of our wings and the, the weight of our profession to owe it to each other to better ourselves. The weight of our wings means something. And, and for everybody listening to this podcast is that like we owe it to each other. We owe it to the pilots, to the swimmer that we're hoisting down, to the pilots that we're, that we're flying with to say to be better. Like to not only to better in our profession, but to be better in safety, to say that we're going to be better when we're performing the execution of the, the hoist and putting the swimmer down. Like we have a swimmer on the end of our hook, and, and that means something. We have a we have a person, not only a person, but of our shipmate. We have right. like that's somebody that's our. And buddy. at that same time, you're still and trying to save like, another life. We're, we're trying to save another life, and at that time, you know, we owe it to our crew to better our profession, to be like the best that we can be, to sharpen our skills, to be the best that we can be. And how can we get there? Can we get there by being? Like, hey, the best that we can be in that moment that we take the moment that we, like, with our men's, like, hey, we, tonight's the night that, like, I'm going to try to be the best I can be. Or, like, hey, today's the day at A-Horse that I'm going to be to try to sharpen my skills, to, to make sure that I'm ready at the moment that the nation calls me to be ready. Yeah. I think so, you had some good points. I think the men's whole thing is exactly. that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, that's a whole nother uh, conversation. Whole nother so, podcast. Just to make sure that we're ready, to sharpen mm-hmm. our skills, to make sure that we're ready the moment we're time that that we are called to be ready. And, and again, not to be cliche like in our motto, but the moment that storm comes, we don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. We we don't know what it's going to be. We don't know what's going to be called of us. And what, that's what's, what's good about us. That's what's our, good our, about our basic yeah. flight mechanic syllabus or your basic AC syllabus. You're, yeah. At that point, you should be ready to answer the call, no matter the situation. Yeah, this school, what we're doing, it's going to offer you those advanced techniques to be able to answer even efficiently, safer, and better. If I can uh, end this, as uh, Captain Holzer and Commander Sanborn say, aggressive, safe training saves lives. That's what. That's gets right. There. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it. the unstoppable meets the unyielding. That's right. <laughs> even, even Way to go, JB. Way to go. You know Captain Holzer's <laughs> going to steal it from you. Uh, I, I'm totally okay with it. Thanks to both of you for uh, joining us on this podcast. This is awesome getting your perspective. This is very valuable for everybody out there. Yeah.